Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Renamic. Berto is your host. Thank you so kind of being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. You know, today is going to be an interesting day because one of you will be participating. And I don't even know if you're sure that you know you are participating with something grandiose that you did. Anyhow, E2247 is in the house. We also have Bridge MCP in the house. Julie Henderson is in the house who says hello all. And of course, El hermano mío que está con nosotros ahora mismo es Norman Reynolds. And guys, I'm coming closer and closer and closer to saying I'm going to do one show a week in Spanish. I'll probably make it an additional show as opposed to giving us a short series here. So anyhow, what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? And of course, we also have Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain in the house. And Michael Rudnan is in the house who says... Egberto, I'm walking home from the eye doctor with my mom. Today will be a little bit late. And then he gives me a long piece of stuff that says, Egberto, one for the screen. At the end of yesterday's show, one of the conservatives in the chat talked about political violence and who they thought was responsible. Well, I got some bad news for them from the Anti-Defamation League and Associated Press. All the extremist-related murders in 2022 were committed by right-wing extremists of various kinds who typically committed most such killings each year, but only occasionally are responsible for all. The last time this occurred was 2012. Left-wing extremists engage in violence, raging from assaults to arsons, but since the late 1980s have not often targeted people with deadly violence. The same cannot be said for domestic Islamic extremists, but deadly incidents linked to Islamic extremism have decreased significantly in the United States over the last five years, far-right white supremacists commit the, the greatest number of domestic extremist-related murders in most years. But in 2022, the percentage was exceptionally high. 21 of the 25 murders were linked to white supremacists. This is primarily due to high-casualty mass shootings by white supremacists. The remaining four were anti-government right-wing extremists, a QAnon right-wing extremist, and two other non-specific white extremists. And to that, as usual, he always brings us the example. And there is your chart of who commit these violent deaths by perpetrators. But, you know, I also have, you know, the same thing happened with, with, with a lot of our conservatives who they try to, to be kind in the way they say it, but ultimately say, you know, most of the crime in this country are committed by people who look like you, Egberto, and and per, by percent, and it's all wrong. And, and you know, just before I did the show, I was going through my TikTok scroll, and something amazing just showed up in my TikTok. And I said, you know what? Let me make sure it's valid. It turns out to be valid. And then I said to myself, I have got to show this to our peeps. So what I'm going to do is show it to our peeps. I want you to check this out because what this woman did was refuted somebody who came with a ridiculous statement. But beforehand, let me make sure I salute everybody. Bridge MCP is here. Put it on the screen. Uh, what else we got? Oh, I, I didn't put uh, the other one on the screen. Well, let me make sure. Let, let's make sure and get the other one on the screen uh, first. We'll put that one on the screen first. Uh, there we go. That is the one that Michael Rudnan showed the chart 
I thought I put it on the screen. Evidently, I didn't. Sometimes I forget. Lee Grant is in the house. How you doing, Brother Grant? Likewise is Tom C. Egberto's in D.C. Announcing a run for El Presidente. Well, no, I can't be president. I was born in Panama. And unlike, unlike McCain, who was born in the same hospital that I was born in, check this out. El Señor McCain recently died a couple of years ago. He was born in the exact same hospital I was born in, Coco Solo, on the Canal Zone. You see, my father worked for the Canal Zone, for the Americans in the Canal Zone, and we got what they call then privileges to, to get our, to use the hospital in the Coco Solo, and I was born in Coco Solo. That's where, I think it was either, I think it's Coco Solo, Coco Solo is where um, McCain was born, but he was born in Panama. So both McCain and myself, we are Panamanians, but I'm a naturalized American. He was a natural born American citizen because his mother was American. His father was American. But wait a minute. How could we have the problem with the birthers with, with El Senor uh, 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 Obama when Obama is a natural born citizen? Even if he was born in Kenya, his mother is from Kansas. So he's a natural born citizen. How did the media allow that story to go? I don't know. Even if he was born in, in Thailand, in Indonesia, in Kenya, it didn't matter because his mom was a born American citizen from Kansas. Yet, instead of the media concentrating on the rules of citizenship, they allowed Donald Trump to run away with saying, well, maybe he wasn't born in Hawaii. Maybe he was born in Kenya. Maybe it didn't matter. That, that, that argument should have been shut down immediately. It does not matter even if, if the president... Uh, Obama was born in Kenya, it would not have mattered because his mom, who you can prove genetically is his mom, was born here. So when I tell you about how bad our media is, these are the things that I'm kind of telling you about. Bridget, it's why McCain wouldn't allow people to speak of it. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got before I, I do that, that video that I'm talking. Tom C. Yeah, Tom, you, you figured it out. You figured it out. Um, anyhow, let's go ahead and play that thing on who uh, on murder rates, etc. Because I found it intriguing. I hope I get the, vid the audio working correctly. So bear with me if I have to clean up a bit. But here it goes. So we all know. Okay, I thought. I thought that would happen. Uh, let to me clarify. I, I need but I'm to, a nerd. I need to clean that up first. I must clean that up. I think I can. I think I know how to clean that up. Bear with me as I figure that out. I think I found how to clean it up, and I think I cleaned it up. Let's try that una vez más para ver si lo podemos hacer perfectamente. Here you go. So we all know that this is a bullshit lie. Just to clarify. But I'm a nerd, and I love nothing more than searching the internet for statistical data that's right at your fingertips. And you can go to this website... And it's literally easy access to the FBI supplementary homicide reports, 1980 to 2020. 
and you can pick any year. So let's pick 2020 since that's the last year that they have data for. You can pick the characteristic of the victim. Let's do white people. And you can pick the characteristic of the offender. Let's do black people, since you seem to think that black people kill more white people. Show the table. Da -da 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 -da. So race of the victim, race of the offender, black offender, white victim. 1,353. Then we go back to the beginning and we leave the victim as white, but then let's time, this time, let's make the offender also white. Okay, show the table. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Uh, drum roll, please. Bam, 4,979. I wonder, is that what you would call white on white crime? And if you want to dig a little deeper, you can go to this Crime Data Explorer and you can, again, select the year. Let's do hate crimes and let's do select the year select and include the previous five years. Let's do boom, hate crime. Okay. So anti-black or anti-African-American bias, 10,615 incidences. Well, actually there was 20,896 if you want to get technical, but the victims were black or African-American anti was this number. Now let's scroll down here and look at the race of the offenders. Oh shit. White people. 16,756 white people committed hate crimes in the past five years. Now, remind me again who you think the problematic demographic is in this country. So we all know that this is a bullshit lie. Just to clarify. Okay, let me stop but that I'm a now. Nerd. Oh, how do I and stop I it? Come on, come on. Here we go. All right, good. All right, so I just wanted to uh, just wanted to show that, right? Because you get all these numbers that come out and, and you have guys come on to our show and try to say how we are the ones that are creating all these issues, etc. You know, none of this has all the issues. I, I am gonna I'm gonna get the link in uh, I'm gonna post the link for you in a, uh, in, in the chat. And more than likely for this show as well, I'm going to post it in the blog for this show. I didn't type it out yet because, like I said, I had to rush here to uh, get going with the show. But anyhow, I just wanted to show that. But let's, before further ado, um, you know you guys send me things all the time. I put it on the screen. You will send me, uh, you will send me different things. And I, this is y'all's show. Well... Brother Tom C. is a poet, among other things, and he has, a, he has a section right now on the Politics Done Right website where he blogs and he puts a few things every so often. Well, it so happened that he went ahead and created a pretty, pretty hell of a poem. So this morning, I'm going through all my mail and I'm behind my mail by about three or four days. So I saw Tom C. in the list of mail and I said, yeah, let me see what Tom is saying here. And it turns out it's a poem 
that Tom C. Tom uh, Sarnik wrote one of our brothers here in the PDR Posse. And, you know, I have to talk. I got to talk a little bit before I play stuff, okay? Back in Panama, I was what's known as a declamador, okay? Uh, what it is is I competed in, um, I competed in both Spanish and English poetry. So I would, I would participate in declamando, um, reciting poems in Spanish, and reciting poems in English. And I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I have several gold medals for both of them. And, you know, and we used to go at it as far as doing this stuff, declamando. You know, I've never forgot the, the one by Sandberg. Speed, speed, we are the makers of speed. So anyway, Tom's poem was so good. It reminded me of Carl Sandberg's Speed. Speed, speed, we are the makers of speed. It said the same, in, you know, kind of intonation. So before any further ado, I just want you guys to hear my interpretation of this wonderful poem that is prescient for today's politics and so very well written. And as I play the poem, I'm going to go ahead and make sure to put the blog that Tom wrote with the poem uh, without further ado. But anyway, check it out. Ahorita mismo. Lately, it's like I've been getting some great political poetry from several of our members or PDR Posse members. This one I love. It's by uh, Tom Sarnik. And check it out. It's titled My Least Favorite Things. The Amazon's burning, lungs of our planet. Glaciers are melting, worlds in a panic. Birds disappearing, vanishing wings. These are a few of my least favorite things. Tornado and hurricane, floods and wildfires, war raging in Ukraine, congressional liars, goons with big guns, they think they're so tough. This is just some of my least favorite stuff. Cars with big engines that burn fossil fuels. Pittance of prayers for kids murdered in schools. Corrupt politicians refusing to quit. This is just some of my least favorite shit. When gun kills, when the marsh fills, and I'm needing a nurse, I think of a few of my least favorite things, and then I feel so much worse. QAnon crazes who follow Fox News. Cops acting like thugs, they batter and bruise. Pharmaceutical companies really drug the rings. These are a few of my least favorite things. Chemicals toxic on lawns we keep spraying. Gun control needed. Instead, we are praying. Governors of red states acting like kings. These are a few of my least favorite things. A candidate loses, election denier, high corporate profits, but prices much higher. Racism's spreading just like COVID's cough. These are the things that keep pissing me off. When your book's banned, but not and ran, don't know what's not true. That's when I think of my least favorite things and then start to feel real blue. Conspiracy lovers hate science and vaxes. The rich who makes billions without paying taxes. The horrible news 
daily media brings. These are a few of my least favorite things. Poor people suffering, scraping by barely. The sick denied health care, treated unfairly. A wretched one moans while the unfortunate sings. These are a few of my least favorite things. Only privileged can dance independence of the right pigment just chosen by chance. The rest watch from the sidelines, the privileged and blessed. These are a few of the things I detest. When your stock falls, when your car stalls, and you're ready to cry, then think of a few of these least favorite things, and it won't be hard to die. These are a few of my least favorite things. These are a few of the stupidest things, things that I think should go away now. Somehow that that was my least favorite things by Tom Zarnack, written January 28th, 2023. Does that not express exactly where we are today? Tell me that wasn't a hell of a poem. And man, it was long. You know, I was like, wow, that is what I am talking about. Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. How are you doing, our beautiful Yvette? Uh, who else did I miss? Norman Reynolds is in the house. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. Uh, Lee Grant has also made it in. Uh, E2247 is in. Uh, let's see. ¿Quién más olvidé decir dónde están? I think everybody is here. Everybody is here. Anyhow, when I saw, when I saw that um, thing, and by the way, folks, here is the link. Like I told you, I, I found it and I put it in the stream. So you guys should be able to find it. And guess what? I think I forgot to cue all the emails. So as we speak here, I think I better go do that before uh, we, we don't, we, before some of these folks think we're not on air today. You know, some people don't go through the, the regular channels. They go directly to... Um, Restream and all that good stuff. So I want to make sure that I tell everybody, yes, we are alive. We are alive and we are running just fine, people. We are running just fine. And I think I can go ahead. Bingo. It's going off. It's firing off. All those emails are going to 8,000 people or so. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, Egberto Willis, it's why McCain won't allow people to speak of it. Yep, but McCain is no longer with us, of course. Good afternoon, everyone. How are we doing from Maywood? Maywood is in the house. Bridge says different background. Yes, you know what I did, Bridge? Usually I have the green screen, and for some reason the lighting, the, the, the light processing on green screen from Wirecast isn't as good as Zoom. So I would get all these artifacts. Now, as you can see, you can read all the colors without any problems because I'm using an actual background instead of a green screen. I will relegate the green screen from what, for when I'm doing some special type of editing, etc., etc., where I can control things a little bit better. But this is from a project that I'm doing with another person in Michigan that we're supposed to get started with another talk show. We'll see how that goes. Anyhow, 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 let's see what else we have. Did I forget anything from anybody? E2247, oh, no, no. Tom C says, hi, all. Looks like Egberto has made me PDR Poet Lariat of the Day. Thanks for my 15 minutes of fame. 
let's let's correct that, brother Tom. You are PDR's poet laureate. Punto y final. I mean, you've just earned it, man. That's why you that's why you can you can unadulterate it. Go ahead and post your stuff at politicsunright.com. You already have all of that set up, ready to go. Because I love what you write, actually, brother. I really love what you write. Um para ver, para ver quién más está aquí. Asha Rangappa explains well in detail using many graphic organizers, a propaganda feedback loop. Is that a video a picture? Oh, thank you for that. Um in the Fox News factory, probably something that I should put on the screen for people to take a look at. Thank you, E2247, I think is the one who put that there. Uh, look like a good article. Whoa, look at that. The media bias chart. Look at the media bias chart. Is that the one from the one that we check all the time or not? But anyhow, you see that in there. Daily Coast on the left. Let's see what else we got in there. Para ver, para ver. There is that chart. <laughs> I find it amusing that they have CNN on the left. I find it amusing they have NPR on the left. Uh, the Intercept, well, I, could, I can see that with the left Rolling Stone. I don't know, but look at the righties. The righties are, most of them turned out to be the ones that spew lies. And I'm not just saying that because... License for social media sharing only. Fully licensed copies and interactive chart at, at Fontes Media. I better take this off the screen before somebody comes and say, hey, this is only license for social media. Although this is social media. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, before we get into the other videos and the other stuff that we want to talk about today. Uh, para ver, para ver. Fire Merrick Garland and Chris Ray for letting this happen. Let's see. Two senior FBI officials who would supervise and lead the Marlago uh, search resisted the plan as too combative and proposed instead to seek 45's permission to search the property. Fire Merrick Garland's way uh, for letting this happen recalled from retirement Stephen D'Antonio, then head of FBI uh, Washington field office, which was running in. You know, it turns out that the Republican, uh, it seems that the Republican have sort of a stranglehold on the FBI, sad to say, but that's what I'm seeing. That is really what I am seeing. All right, what else have we got here? What else have we got here? Folks, you're not putting a lot of chatter in the screen thus far. Uh, and I, let's see. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver si están las cosas viniendo ahora. Okay, I don't see. Bear with me one second as I continue to check our info here. Uh, let's see if that'll do it now. All right, so what else have we got here? Yvette says, afternoon, Pasi. Uh, what else have we got here? Lee Grant says, I wonder how that study press out QAnon from white supremacy from other right-wingers. There's got to be a lot of overlap there. I'm pretty sure there is. I can almost guarantee you there is, Brother Zarnak. Norman says, data versus faith is a talking point from a leader in the conservative movement. It's no competition for a GOP voter. I hear you. I hear you. I think we were kind of talking about that. I, in church, actually, my brother, in church. All right, Tom says, thank you, Egberto. You did a great job reading it. I couldn't have done it any better. Well, it's yours, man. You, Of course you could have done it better. The question is, would you have done it? And if you do it, I'll throw it up there too. 
Great link. Thank you for exposing truth versus opinion. Of course, Julie, that's what we try to do here. Yvette Avery Hyrod says, great job, Tom C., for that great poem that you've written. Bridge MCP says, Yvette Avery Hyrod might have missed the poem, but read it at Politics Done Right. There it is. It's right there. Thank you for repeating that link, my dear, beautiful lady. Tom C. says, thanks, everyone, for encouraging comments. Yvette says, I heard it all. Amazing. I know it was really good. Kathy Pascal Thank you for being a wonderful uh, supporter as well, our great Kathy. Great to see you here. These are the things that should go viral. Believe it, believe it or not, I am going to try to. Um, I'm going to try to read the poem a little bit um, in a split thing, and get it up there and push it for um, for not for TikTok and see what happens. We'll see what happens, but we'll try. All right, Tom C., let's see what else we got here. Uh, Bruce says, end Palestinian apartheid, BDS, Israel. You know, I, I hear you, Bruce, but let me tell you something that I'm very careful of, right? The Israeli lobby is likely the most powerful lobby in America, bar none. And what applies to everybody doesn't apply to the lobby so Whenever I am making statements with regards to these, uh, because of the nature of what we do, you have to be careful. You have to dot every I. You have to cross every T. And you have to corrugate, you have to protect your entire space from any possibility of introducing that uh, introducing some concept that somehow your line of your line or your statement has any degree of anti-semitism in it so i'm very careful whenever i'm talking uh because again it's not a, a simple mistake i mean we we can take a look at something like ilan omar some of the things that ilan omar have said right um look if you are if you are oppressed if the boot is on your neck. You don't sit down and necessarily always cater to what is the politically proper way of saying things. Your pain is revealed. I think you get what I mean. All right. Um, Lee Grant says TYT far left. Okay. TYT is not as far left as I am. Okay. And the funny thing about it is most of you in here if I go policy by policy, you're going to agree with most of what I say. So what does that really say? Anyhow. Uh, para ver, para ver. Breed says, I've seen the chart before. Awesome. Egberto, look at the y-axis too. Um, the y-axis. I did. Actually, I did. I did. I did. Oh, you're talking about degree. I got you what you mean. You got, you are, you're right, E2247. Breed says she loves the background. Thank you, Breed. I mean, if you love it, then that means it's right. Lee, what is TYT? TYT stands for, um, that is, oh gosh, what does TYT stand for? I forgot, oh, the Young Turks, the Young Turks, the Young Turks. Um, Julie Henderson says, that poem would make a great rap song. All right. I need to learn how to rap, though. I am terrible at rhythm and rapping and that kind of stuff. Ask Ashley and Linda. They'll say, Egberto, what happened to you and your dad and your grandpa are so good? What, what happened to you, hermano? Uh, Bruce says, shouldn't U.S. citizens uh, be the real lobbyists who the politicians cater to? 
yes, but we have to we have to show them that they are already empowered for that, Bruce. And that's the goal of politics done right. That's y'all's goal in supporting politics done right. Okay, that's y'all's goal in supporting politics done right. And other uh, rags like we have here. Because remember, politics done right isn't just this on the screen. Politics done right is a podcast. Politics done right is a radio show. Politics done right are are the articles on Medium. Politics and Right are the articles on EgbertoWillis.com, on politicsandright.com, and on Substack and all these places. The idea is we have to saturate the knowledge to folks, letting them know that they are already empowered to do what needs to be done. But all of us here play an important part in that. Okay, Michael Rodney says, I'm slow on the draw today. Michael, you earned the right to be slow on the draw on any day, brother. And Maywood says, and yes, they are on the left, not that far left, but the left more than progressive. True. All right. I love what President Biden is doing right now. President Biden is doing something that many Democratic presidential candidates fail to do uh, right in the middle of their, their term. And he's going at it. I'm in fully cocked. And I respect that so much in what he's doing. Now, I'll be very frank with you. His age concerns me. People say, oh, well, look how great he is. He can move. Well, I could say the same about Bernie Sanders. How old is Bernie Sanders anyway? Let me see. Uh, because Bernie Sanders, I, 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 let's see. I think Bernie Sanders is older. I could be wrong. But I think Bernie, even Bernie Sanders is older. Bernie Sanders is 81. But Bernie Sanders somehow looked like he'll live forever. You know, the way he moves. And even though he got a heart attack, he got back from that heart attack and went back on the campaign trail and all that kind of stuff. You know, then again, we also know that um, uh, the president also had an aneurysm or something like that way, way back in the early days. He's doing fine. But I am concerned about the age thing. But I also think that he's one of the few that can beat Donald Trump because he's one of the few that gives a few people that are indulged by the cancer of Donald Trump an okay to vote for a Democrat. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. I could be wrong, but that's how it seems to me. So do I want Biden to run? I don't want Biden to not run right now. However, if it seems like Donald Trump is going to be too beat up to run. I think it is time for somebody else to run. Now, suppose Bernie decided I need to get into the game. Man, it's going to be tough on me because I want somebody young running. I want somebody very progressive running. And I want somebody who can definitely galvanize America to a progressive, to a progressive mantra. Or, or we, can we do that in two years? Can we, can we make, America live up to who they say they are. Americans say they are progressives in, in action. They don't say they are progressives in the word. But once you paste progressive on a particular candidate, it scares even progressive Americans from voting from that candidate because they don't call themselves progressive even though they want progressive policies. It's a crazy psychology that applies to people. Rodnin says in 2016, Trump ran as a fall Populist Bernie would have crushed Trump in 2016, showing what a real populist would do to a fake one. If Trump runs in 2024, 
He's running a revenge campaign, not a populist one. I agree. <clears throat> I've got a slight cold that drives me crazy with, with you know, a slight cough that... Ugh. Anyhow. Anyhow, so like I said, I really am very happy with how he is campaigning. I want you to listen to President... Um, I want you to listen to President Biden and how he's handling the issue with Republicans right now. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Take back the power we just gave Medicare and Medicaid to negotiate, which would raise prices. And they would have a huge giveaway to big pharma and cost taxpayers billions of dollars. And if they say they want to cut the deficit, but their plans actually would explode the deficit, how are they going to make the numbers add up? What are they going to cut? That's the big question. For millions of Americans, health care hangs in the balance. Will they continue to fight to cut the Affordable Care Act and make health insurance more expensive for millions of Americans? And Republicans have been trying to undo the Affordable Care Act since it passed 13 years ago. They voted to change and repeal the act. It's a fact. It's on the record. More than 50 times in four years that it existed. 50 times. And they made repealing it part of a virtually every Republican budget since the law was passed. From the Trump administration budgets to congressional budgets to their budget plans for just this past year. So let's be clear about the consequences. If you get rid of the Affordable Care Act, would mean that more than 100 million Americans with pre-existing conditions would lose the critical protections they have now. The only reason people with pre-existing conditions who are not on private insurance are able to pay is because they have the Affordable Care Act. But by the way, You cut the Affordable Care Act, millions could lose free preventive care like cancer screenings. Millions could lose basic services like maternity care, which insurers would no longer have to cover. Up to three million young adults will lose access to their parents' health insurance, which they're on right now, if the Affordable Care Act goes. They're the facts. Not making any of you. As he used to say, it's even it's no longer relevant. But Google it, you know, you'll see. <laughs> And nearly 40 million Americans would be in danger of losing health coverage completely. That includes millions of low-income Americans who currently get their health insurance through Medicaid, which the Affordable Care Act expanded in 39 states. And it includes millions of middle-class and working-class families who currently are covered by the ACA marketplace. Even if they did manage to keep their health insurance, it would cost them thousands of dollars more per year than it does now. That's just a glimpse of the damage of repealing the Affordable Care Act would do. You know, the MAGA Republicans in Congress are, uh, want, do they still want to cut Medicaid? Well, the former Trump budget director, who's now advising them, that is Republicans in the House, on their fiscal strategy, has a plan to slash over $2 trillion from Medicaid. That's a, well, whether it gets passed, that's, that's the plan, okay? He wants to end Medicare expansion under the Affordable Care Act. And then additional deep cuts that could lead to nearly 70 million people losing critical services. Most of them are seniors, people with disabilities, and children. 
Some could lose their health insurance altogether. Millions of seniors and people with disabilities who depend on Medicaid to help pay for their home care, including home health aids, could lose their ability to remain in their homes. And by the way, it saves the government money if they're home and not in a nursing home. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nit. Man, sometimes those buttons give me hell. But anyhow, we are back. So yeah, I, I like what he's doing. All right, let's see who sent me the Gaslit Nation thing here. That was uh, Gaslit Nation. I just clicked on it. Oh, e two two four seven. Hey, I'm going to play this on faith. I didn't get a chance to look at it first, but I am going to play it on faith. I hope you don't get me in trouble, E2247. Let's see. With the same bullshit as we were 10 years ago. Only on top of it, we had a coup, a plague, and, you know, the... Wait, wait, you know, let's get it from the beginning. Hold people on, let's don't get it from the beginning. You know, to quote Bernays again, like uh, he was famous for saying, what could be done for a nation at war can be done for organizations and people in a nation at peace. And I think people don't look hard enough when it's Obama, when it's Biden. They're not doing this for child separation either. They're not doing this for a variety of issues. And there's so many times under Biden where I have this sense, it's not deja vu, it's just knowing we're literally dealing with the same bullshit as we were 10 years ago. Only on top of it, we had a coup, a plague, and you know the complete infiltration of American institutions by transnational organized crime. But something like a refusal to forgive student loans, like that returning to the forefront, all the progress made on that issue potentially being washed away, like that feels very second term Obama. Like I feel like we're just going back to that time and, you know, moving backward only with like the mask just stripped off. Like we know what we're dealing with at this point. We know what they're capable of. We know how far they'll go and we know how unwilling agencies of accountability are to control or punish those committing these actions. And we know, as, as you've said, that their goal is to keep people in check and student loan debt, you know, and the inability to get a job that pays well without a very expensive credential, without purchased uh, merit, you know, is one way of doing that. You know, um, wow. Wow. Um, I like the ending where she points out that, that is a way to keep people in check. You keep them in debt. You keep them having to work at, at all costs. You know, I mean, it is it is amazing. And, and she's actually pretty right about it. I think, um, you know, people always say, well, when Democrats had control, why didn't they go ahead and bust the filibuster right away? And I agree. The problem is when Democrats are in control, we don't really have Democrats in control, Right. I mean, we only have probably of, of the of the of the Democratic Party, we probably only have probably 75 percent of them that would be considered sufficiently progressive to pass the kind of policies Americans say they want. All the others are under the auspices of the neoliberal, the neoliberal, uh, you know, lobbyists, to quote Bernays again. Oops, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. Anyhow, so uh, thank you for that. E2247. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Julie Henderson says, different approach. Younger president and veteran VP. Health issues are a concern in recent elections. I agree. 
Uh, Medicaid announce, annoys me. They pay for things Medicare doesn't. And Medicaid is paid for by the people. Medicare is paid by a company slash person. Medicare is paid by company slash person. Oh, actually, <clears throat> Medicare is paid by us as well. And it goes, and actually the Medicare is structured a bit better than Social Security. Let me explain. Social Security, if you work for somebody, they pay 6.25, you pay 6.25% of your income up on until $160,000 or so, which also caps, and, and, and the cap on Social Security is something like $3,600 or $3,900 if you wait till retirement age, something around that time up that, uh, right now. But again, the really wealthy persons, they, they don't pay any Social Security uh, after $160,000, which means most of them don't pay Social Security of any, you know, as I said yesterday, after 68 sec, for 28 seconds of a new year, Bezos is done or, or, or Musk is done paying their, their, their Social Security taxes. Now, Medicare, on your total income, whether it's be capital gains or other income, you are, in fact, responsible for Medicare taxes. Of course, I don't think you have to pay it. You don't pay it on, 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 on capital. You don't pay it on your, your property, which I think you should as well. Uh, so Medicaid, all of that comes out. Now, when it comes to Medic, I mean, Medicare, that is. Now, when it comes to Medicaid, there isn't a Medicaid tax that I, at all. There's not a Medicaid tax. Uh, it, it, Medicaid is all from the, from the pot. It all comes from the big pot. So, I mean, you know, you're just limited by the, by the law as far as if you qualify for it or not. Uh, or not for Medicaid after you meet a certain amount of points. I think that is wrong as well, but hey, that's how it works. Julie Henderson, I read that already. Michael says, how many Democrats are actually progressives who want to do by the people and the planet? Maybe half. It's not enough to pass a real populist agenda to make government uh, prioritize the needs of the people. Exactly. Uh, some U.S. indigenous rap their poems. Yep. Uh, Norman Reynolds says there was a beer party by GOP lawmakers in celebration of repealing the Affordable Care Act. Imagine that. You know what's so scary about all of that? They were willing, when McCain did this, they were willing to repeal the tax without having anything in return, anything that offered folks anything. They didn't have a plan. The irresponsibility of these people and the non-care for humanity is astounding. You know, it always behooves me, but it's astounding. Okay, let's see what else we got here before I do the last video. Para ver si el algo. If I missed any, E2247, if they keep the boot on people's necks, the people might see a fascist option as the only one where some of them might do better. It's a callous, horrible strategy. You know, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see. Sarah Kendensor. Is a Sarah Kendensor in the house? I didn't see her. Uh, anyhow, but it says here, the fascist goal is to keep, is to keep people in check. That came from the Twitter. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. That's what I rented about UpChat, neoliberal Democratic Party, so-called leaders disrupt and silence less outspoken but good-hearted, serious progressives, caucus members, and outrage. We have to build up from the ground up, folks. 
we can't expect spine. Look, I don't think neoliberal Democrats are any less spineless than Republican politicians. They are no less spineless. They're owned by the plutocracy. They're owned, I repeat, by the plutocracy. We have to force them to do it by, in, by educating folks to know, let them know that they have the power to make that change. Ellos tienen el poder para hacer ese cambio. Y estoy practicando ya que voy a comenzar a hacer el programa en español. I'm practicing because I'm going to do this, the, the program in Spanish. Así que cuando hablo así, es porque estoy practicando qué voy a hacer, qué voy a hablar para hacer todo esto. Alberto uh, Willis, have you watched the Hunger Games? I haven't, but I know my daughter has. Maybe she can tell me a little bit about it. All right, here is our last video. And it's Morning Joe. You know, right now, the Republicans are having a feels day. They're, you know, the, the Northern, uh, Norfolk Southern has had several derangements already this week. Somehow, they want to put the blame of these derailments on the administration. And, you know, you, people are not actually seeing the bait and switch. We should not be talking about government failing here, folks. We should be talking about a greedy private sector not investing in its, in its, own, in, in its own hardware, in its own capital to keep us safe. That is the discussion, not government. The discussion is a private sector failing. These derailments are not a result of the government. They are the results of a private sector who wants to keep the government away. To somehow change the discussion to make it seem like Buttigieg or Biden or, or the director of the NTSB or any one of these guys have any responsibility here other than having not created the regulations that prevented this because these private companies bribed their politicians to overturn breaking policies, chemical policies, and all of these. It's blasphemous that somehow Republicans now are attempting to blame the administration and Buttigieg and others. And you know what? When you see a morning Joe comes out and says it, a former super conservative dude, kudos to Brother Joe. Check out how Brother Joe handles it here. You know, it really is fascinating, though. You look at the Republicans. They're trying to blame Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> they're trying to blame Joe Biden. They're trying. It's like Marjorie Taylor Greene. They trying just highlight, to, actually. Trying to blame Joe Biden for fentanyl deaths that tragically happened in 2020 when Donald Trump was still president. So they talk about Pete Buttigieg. And they take everybody's eye off of Norfolk Southern. They talk about Joe Biden. They take everybody's eye off of Norfolk Southern. They actually take everybody's eye off of who was responsible for this and who was responsible for this. A corporation that gave a lot of money to Republicans who, you know, you look at Donald Trump and, and you look at the fact that Donald Trump uh, deregulated. And when you people look at regulations, why don't we just call it what it is? He ripped out basic safety measures. Standards. 
and basic safety standards. And so, of course, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want the press talking about all the safety standards that the Trump administration and Republicans like uh, tore out uh, of, of, of the books. So they'll talk about Pete Buttigieg, really seriously? A transportation secretary, you're blaming him? He's the best person, though, because he can refute them and jump and push back yeah. better than anybody. Yeah. So they end up shining a light on their own foibles. Right. You know what? Mika Brzezinski gets it right. They picked the wrong person to really accuse. Because as I showed yesterday, and maybe I should play it again, Pete Buttigieg is really, really good at his job. Pete Buttigieg is one of the best spokespersons for the Biden administration. And in fact, I've got the time barely, but I'm going to play Pete Buttigieg uh, response. Here it goes. Well, Pete Buttigieg, once again, is calling the bluff, calling Republican bluffs. He's saying, hey, guys, remember, you are the guys who didn't want regulations. Now, as soon as the accident happened, you started to talk as if you wanted regulations. And some of you now are backing out like as if the rail lobby got to you. Folks, this is what it's all about. We have to keep the pressure on. I want you to listen to this segment. Uh, these, well, it's a, a few cuts from, from the segment he did on Morning Joe. See how Morning Joe handled the appropriate questioning, and then we'll take it on the other side. Two questions for you. You previously had expressed some regret uh, that it, it took you a few days to get to the site. Um, first question, is President Biden planning on traveling? And second question, what more can Congress could be done here? What more can they step in, and particularly when it comes to uh, punitive action for railroad companies that violate safety regulations? So on the first question, uh, uh, what I do know is that the president cares a lot about this issue. He's spoken uh, repeatedly with, with me and, uh, and other senior members of the administration about what can be done both to support the community and to hold these railroads accountable. Uh, in terms of uh, how that accountability works, look, right now, one very frustrating thing for us as an agency uh, is that there is a legal cap uh, in the six figures, and uh, even on the most extreme violations uh, of hazardous material rules that my department enforces. And just imagine what a low six-figure fine means to a multi-billion dollar company uh, like the, the Class 1 freight railroads. Now, uh, EPA has other authorities. They're using those authorities uh, to, to hold Norfolk Southern accountable. But on the safety regulation side, uh, I really think Congress should raise that cap. And by the way, uh, proposing to do that is one of the features of the bipartisan legislation uh, led by Senator Brown and Senator Vance that is uh, moving forward in, in the Senate. That's just one example of something that, that could make a difference. Uh, but there are so many steps, some of which, to be clear, we've been underway on uh, since this administration arrived. Others that would require help from Congress. But I think there's a real moment here. Uh, look, some of the uh, uh, House and Senate Republicans who were uh, very quick to uh, to criticize when, when this case happened mm -hmm. are now saying, well, well, we, we're not so sure we want to regulate. Uh, but others, to their credit, uh, Republicans and Democrats have stepped forward and said, yes, this is the time to have more accountability and do more for safety on, on America's rails. Mr. Secretary. Secretary, as you just pointed out, uh, there are a number of high hazard trains on the rails in this country, and there have been toxic chemical spills around East Palestine prior to this one in that county and other places in Ohio and certainly around the country. But when you get into talking about why this happened, and even though it's called 100 percent preventable by the chairman of the 
NTSB. When you get into talking about that, the 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 talk tends to make the railroad lobbyists sound like the equals of the gun lobby, that nothing can be done because they're so powerful. One of the aspects that you mentioned is fines for the railroad. What? How are the fines set? What would this company be have to have to be paid, have to pay as a fine, given they make millions of dollars? And what can be done to hike the fine up that it's mind-bogglingly high? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, again, I can't speak to the findings that are still coming back from the investigation of this incident uh, and whether a violation is going to be found there. But what I will say is that when a violation is found, there is this uh, statutory uh, limit on on the, the fines that we can assess. And uh, I think that they need to be much tougher. The, the legislation uh, that's uh, been put forward in the Senate is one example of a way to do that. Uh, I think it pegs it to one uh, percent uh, of, uh, of the company's income. And uh, that's something that uh, would be more likely to get their attention than uh, $225,000 or so, uh, which is the legal maximum, even in a case that results in a fatality. Now, again, I, I do want to say that there is other work being done on the EPA side to hold them accountable for the cleanup. That's already happening, and they're they're already paying for that. And by the way, that's an example of why we need a strong EPA. So uh, a lot of the same voices uh, uh, who have been uh, quick to get onto this issue were trying to dismantle the EPA just a uh, a couple of uh, three years ago. Uh, and now we're seeing an example of how the EPA is uh, delivering accountability and helping to make sure uh, that Norfolk Southern cleans up the mess that it made. But here on the transportation policy side, uh, whether we're talking about fines, whether we're talking about standards, uh, whether we're talking about technology, there is clearly more to be done. And, uh, you know, the, the power of the railroad lobby is enormous. I've, uh, I've seen it for myself. Uh, you know, there was a rule having to do with braking. Again, I'm not going to make any claims about uh, how that might have applied in this case. But there was a rule about braking that, that was put in under the Obama administration in 2015. Uh, there were five lawsuits in different jurisdictions to uh, to try to take it down. And uh, they went after Congress and they went to this agency. And sure enough, uh, eventually that, uh, that rule got stripped away. So that's just one example of the muscle that that railroad lobby can flex in this city. But I really believe there is a chance to have a change in direction right now. So as you see, folks, uh, Pete Buttigieg hit the nail on the head. One, we had breaking uh, breaking laws in. You guys under the Trump administration got rid of it. We also had uh, we, we have fines that are too small. We don't have the ability to raise fines anymore. But most importantly, you guys wanted to get rid of the EPA. We said no. We want to keep a strong EPA. And now in East Palestine, they are happy that ultimately speaking, the folks who are going to be responsible for cleaning up is going to be the company under the auspices or directed by the EPA saying, this is your job to clean up. Let's hope there aren't some phantom laws that come out to protect these guys from cleaning up the utter mess that's likely going to cost them billions to clean up. Hopefully it will bankrupt them and turn them into a company that we as the people can acquire. The rail should belong to us Anyway, absolutely. So, hey, Ronin, which video are you talking about? Send it to my to my uh, link that the, the link that you have, not the link, the to my ch ch chat. Yeah, instant message or whichever ones that I can get it directly from you. That way, I'm okay. Where are all the right wing trolls today? Not that I miss them. Well, brother, brother Lee Grant is in the house. He's quiet today, but brother Grant is in the house. I don't see Eric Hayes though. 
uh, maybe they're ashamed of what Fox News is doing, you know, because, you know, Fox News really showed their color. Anyhow, folks, please remember we're near the end of the show. Please support us by going to politicsunright.com slash support, politicsunright.com slash support, um, and uh, provide us however you can support either getting our books, going to our store, giving us a PayPal, a Cash App, a a super chat. Anyway, if you're on YouTube, don't forget, just go ahead and click that join button. If you are on uh, Kemas, if you're on on Twitter, just go ahead and anyway, all just go to politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support has all the different options that you can have to support the show. We work very, very hard to make sure we get this progressive message out. We depend on you. You are our only source of Funding. Thanks everyone for sticking with PDR Posse is what E2247 says. And Maywood says, have you and Ashley watched the video I sent you? Um, which one which one are we talking about? We we did watch the I tell you what, um uh, Maywood, do me a favor. I, I you know I don't lie. So the truth of the matter is right now I don't remember. There's so much that's going on. So send me that video again, and then I'll tell you if we did or not. I don't remember. Uh, Bree says, uh, what video is an hour 15? I don't have that kind of time right now. All right, let's see. Paraved, what else is there? I think I'm done. Please support us again. Politicsunright.com slash support. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright. And thank you all for being here. You know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.